All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. We're excited to sit down with two of our friends. We've already been having a good time on the pre-pod talking about skiing and money and all of the dreams and schemes that are upon us as we uh, we are on the, the precipice of a new year. But we're excited to sit down with a friend, friend of the pod and podcast returning, like alumni, Steph Corker and Cecily Elmas joining us both from the Corker Collective. So thank you for uh, taking the time to be with us today and to... Yeah, help us and our listeners like launch into a new year or, I mean, podcasts live outside of time and space. So anytime you listen to this is an invitation and opportunity to revisit what we're doing and who we are and how we can continue to just grow and evolve as people. And yeah, we're just so excited to, to kind of dive in and see where this conversation flows. So thank you both for being here. And we're really, uh, really excited to chat with you today. The stoke is mutual. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having us. All right. Of course. Just just to set the table and, and kind of preview the direction of this conversation, uh, I've always found both of you to be aspirational people for myself, whether that's through athletic pursuits, through structure and goal setting, through kind of creative outlets and community. I feel like uh, the both of you are both people that have kind of set a, a golden standard mm -hmm. of habits and ambition and teamwork. So I feel like there's there's so much we can discuss. But I think to make the most of the time, like kind of zeroing in on habits for people. I know new, the new year is kind of like a day one, a new start line. I know, Steph, we talked a lot about start lines in our last podcast. And people use New Year's as new start lines to kind of refresh start new, make new goals, kind of let go of whatever wasn't working in, in years past. And I'm kind of like hit or miss on that myself. Like some years I'm like, this year I'm going to do all these things. And some years I'm just like, it's just, a, it's just another month, another day. And I just kind of keep that flow as I kind of continue to set goals without necessarily jam one start lines. But I know for a lot of people, that's kind of that, that start line. So maybe we can start with, I think for some people, it's just as much letting go of things they want to let go as kind of setting up what they want to achieve for, for the new year. So maybe we can talk about both of those things, like letting go of things that didn't serve us and setting ourselves up to succeed for things that could serve us in a, a better, bigger way, more aligned with the life that we're hoping to live. Maybe Steph, you can kind of mm. jump in and, and start us there with letting go and setting ourselves up to be able to achieve mm. a life that we're, we're looking for. Those are both kind of like general questions. So feel no, free to you. kind of grab what you want and, and let go of what you don't want. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just going to let go of that question and onto the next one. Oh, my heart. Well, first of all, I, I vibrate and I resonate with how you host these conversations and the space and the place you make for us to, to be in this conversation. And I want you to know that it means a lot to come back onto the pod. It means a lot to be invited into these conversations. And I feel really lucky to work with Sess literally day in and day out through many highs and low moments. And I think she will riff really well on the power of, of letting go of certain things. And so I want to punt that part over to her. And before I punt that to her though, I need to share that one of my lessons in working with Sess this year was the power of language. And Sess, you read a book, Tony Robbins. I think it was Awakening the Giant. 
Is that right? Yeah. And it spoke about the power of a, of highly vibrational language. And Seth read that book in January and I, I tucked it into my heart and it's something that I'm not going to let go of in 2024. In fact, I hope the giant becomes even more enormous because gosh, whether you resonate with January 1st or some folks it's September, sometimes it's, you know, a birthday. I'm like, just start, start anytime and, and start and fail and start again. And that just feels so true. So yes, January's around the corner. And Dean, as you said, you know, there's a lot that's timeless. I think I'm bringing into January a sense of like, let's go, let's start. What can we start now? And there's also something to be said about I really focused on having highly vibrational language in 2023. And I got some feedback and the feedback was from a venture capitalist who said, I can't quite tell about this Steph Corker character. It's like her language. It's a, it's a little wonky. And, and someone else I, I spoke to was like, are you really like this in person? And I was like, heck yes. I will always respond to an email like a hug walking down the street and refuse to to be a robot. And I think that's sort of a habit I picked up this year and something that's coming over into 2024 big time. And the other thing I need to share that was a 2023 later in the year is that I watched the Nyad movie. And the reason this is a big deal is because I've, I've literally only watched 12 movies in my lifetime and Nyad made it like number 13. And Nyad, is, Diana uh, is her first name. She's a 63 year old marathon swimmer who swam from Cuba to Florida. And her tagline is, you find a way. And that feels like the 2024 mantra, which is just like Diana, find a way. And she picked up this new dream at the age of 60. So there's a timelessness about it. There's a grit to it. You know, there's controversy. Some people think she got in a boat halfway across the ocean. And and I just think with all love to the male counterparts on this podcast, it's like celebrate the freaking woman. If a dude can do it, then go for it, dude. But you haven't done it yet. So stop complaining about what Nyad's gotten up to and jump in the water. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like here to release the critics and dive in the ocean and swim to Florida, find a way in the most proverbial sense. So that's that's my slightly tangented answer to that question, Zach. And it feels appropriate for Sess to pick up. What are we really letting go of in 2023, my friend? Today's episode is brought to you by AG1. We love AG1 because when we drink it, we know it is our foundational nutritional supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients for the whole body health. AG1 really replaces all of your multivitamins, probiotics, and more in one simple and delicious drinkable habit. It's science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients is going to support your health. We love it. We drink it every day. It's part of our morning ritual. We know that when we drink it, we've got our daily nutritional needs met. It has 75 high quality vitamins, probiotics, and whole food sourced ingredients. Honestly, I can't think of another daily routine that pays off as well as AG1, which is why I trust this product so much and literally use it every day. We love AG1. If you are looking for a simpler, effective investment in your health, try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. All you got to do is go to drinkag1.com slash more good. That's drinkag1.com slash more good. Check it out, friends.
Yeah. Should I jump in? So the word critic is interesting that you bring that up because what I find, and I, anytime I say what I find, I'm talking about myself as much as I'm talking about maybe this other people will resonate with it. What we're letting go of, it can be such a challenge and because it's ingrained in our habits. And so when there's things that don't work in our life that we deemed a failure, let's say, sometimes what happens is we believe we then are a failure, not that we failed at a task, but who we are is a failure. So some people might go into overdrive and try to prove that wrong, right? And then they don't quit at something that they actually should just let go of now. And I said should on purpose, like let go of it. It's not something you need to prove to anyone. So the critic can be within ourselves and that can stop us from creating something new because we're holding on too tightly. So things that I've found myself and sharing with others is maybe it's time to surrender. Another one is the power of language and looking at the power of language. And someone said to me the other day, oh my gosh, why doesn't everyone do this? And sometimes it's the easiest thing to do is be powerful with our wants and our needs and we don't always take an easy path as human beings. We like to go around and around and find the most challenging way because that can feel fulfilling. And sometimes it's just the easiest thing to do is be very clear and powerful. And that shows up in language. So that's to the language piece. So what I am letting go of is this need to overdo or this need to be everything to everyone, the need to say yes to everything. And what that allows me to do is go, and then what is nourishing for me? What it, what does success look like? And the biggest question that I've learned is what do I want? And that's different from what do I need? Mm, that's so good. I, I love that. I love that you both shared, you know, like the, what, what can we do? But then also like the, the letting go piece and like Cecily picking up on that. I think that we often gear ourselves in society today, today to be like, what can we accomplish? What are the big goals, the big like hell yeah moments that we can celebrate? And we often like post those things, whether we're swimming across some incredible distance or completing a bike race or a marathon or doing something for the first time that we've worked so hard towards. But we often don't see the kind of quiet, understated, I'm letting go of this thing because it's not serving me anymore. But those are like as important because they, they free up capacity for us to do the big thing. And just as you were saying that, I was like, wow, there's like a reframe here that could be like marketable to be like, not like a New Year's, like non-resolution. Like, what are you, not what are you going to do for New Year's, but like, what are we going to stop doing? What are the things that we could say, you know, in like a, you know, she had a moment three or four years ago, Marie Kondo, like, what can we say thank you to and like get rid of kind of clean house internally to say these things aren't serving me anymore. Yeah. I think that's such an important messaging for any time, but especially when you're starting to take stock and say, What's the person that I want to continue to become over the next six to 12 months? Yeah, I love and that. that it's me. the doobie doobie do, right? Like, what am I going to do, mm. do, do? And that is where we burn out. And it's like, how do I want to be? Who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? So do we ever write the be goals? Probably not as much as the do goals. Yeah. Gosh, I need to jump in on this because I can't believe I'm so obsessed with Nyad, but I really am. And um, <laughs> the, you need to include the, the link because so Diana Nyad, spoiler, I, apparently not many people watch the documentaries of 60 year old women these days. So I'll just let you know what happens in this. She makes five attempts and the first four she fails 
And quite frankly, mm. she's a, a bit of a jerk. She's a total dink to her crew members and to her, you know, her best friend who's there along the way. And they're like, listen, we don't want to be on this journey with you anymore. And in fact, like her best friend leaves her and, you know, they're like, it's no fun supporting you when you're so self-consumed and, and such a dink. And, you know, she has to look at herself in the mirror on like, A, she can't do the journey on her own. And B, she's she's really sad. It's It's not what she wanted. It's not what she set out to do. And then when she gets to transform herself to be the person that you know, these 40 crew want to come and support her with, it's it's a really different kind of experience. And, and that is the fifth time. And that's when she makes it. So I think, gosh, like, yes, talk about letting go. Yet, what if the new year was about who you want to be? And sure, it's about finish lines. But really, who do you want to be on the journey to that matters so much more. And I don't know that you can really quantify that on a social post. And it's the stuff that like definitely doesn't make Strava. And it's, it's the internal stuff. And I'm always like, what do I want written on my epitaph? And maybe there's something in that like January 1st with all love for life and without getting to our mortality too quickly. Can we talk about like, who are we going to be at the end? Uh, one, one theme that I'm kind of picking up on this conversation conversation, whether it's the Naiad movie or just some of the language that you've both used, is the idea of of failure. And I feel like we've kind of got like the wrong relationship with failure in life. Like in sports, like in weightlifting, you want to get to fail. And in sports, we accept that like missing a shot is okay because it's part of the game and we need to, we can't make shots if we don't, if we don't try. Right. But in in other aspects of life, we're really scared of failure. So how can we incorporate failure more, like make space for it, almost like have a practice where there's room and acceptance and a safe space for, for failure and how we approach not only our goals, but kind of the things that we do in our life. Seth, what do you have to say about that one? Well, okay. The first thing that comes to my mind is it can be really real for people like Mm -hmm. this fear of failure. And so what can happen and I've seen and myself included, you go into overdrive and all of your actions become not to fail. So Mm -hmm. that's the intention. Then everyone goes through their day not to fail. And so what I like to say to myself and pose the question is what's after that? So Mm -hmm. let's now go to failure. Now let's look beyond it and go now, now where are you at? And so it's the kind of thing, you know, in the coaching world, and I'm sure you have this of like, name it, let's just name it. And once you name it, everything feels a bit more like, ah, it's not such a big deal. Like I'm afraid to fail because blank. And so I would say the practice is to keep thinking of what is it that you don't want to fail at and why don't you want to fail? And then let's name it and then we can actually start reversing it. But if we always avoid, avoidance is so tricky. Then we become avoidance and we never get to like, I tried so hard that I actually failed. And that's where celebration mm. can happen. When I look at all the the people that we admire and put on these pedestals, whether it's in business or in sports, like when you read about them, it's like 90% of the time they were like, they were failing. And, and we see the 10% that succeeded. Um, but like, you know, when you read about billionaires, you know, there's, there's bankruptcies and failed businesses and things that didn't work before they got to the thing that we know them for. And in sports, you know, there's 
a million times that uh, you didn't finish the race or you didn't win the, the championship before you became the champion. And, and we kind of just focus on that one chapter. There's going to be more failures than wins. And I think I, I'm, try, I'm playing around with it yeah. myself, just like having space for that as, as, a, as a practice, like making room for it so that uh, we can learn and pivot and evolve in different ways rather than it being paralyzing or crippling or kind of the end of the book. It's just kind of another chapter. Mm. I was going to say, Steph, maybe like that's something that you, even you could speak to as someone like you're, you're such an accomplished athlete mm. and you don't get there without missing the mark a number of times and just setting up for a certain training and then not being able to hit it or even getting into a race, but then not performing the way you had hoped or whatever. And we could count those as failures, but Maybe there's something to like reframing that as saying, I didn't do what I wanted, but what, how can I turn this failure, quote unquote, into a victory by how, like, how can I redeem it? What did I learn? What was, what did I gain from that experience? I mean, you have lots of experiences of, of just, just athletic pursuits aside. And of course, in all aspects of life, but can we turn failures into victories by mining them for like mm. the, the gold of experience and knowledge and wisdom and shaping us? I mean, yes. <laughs> and deeply with an apostrophe and capitalization, because what I was wanting to jump in and say is like, let us not forget that failure is in fact a privilege and the privilege to fail could be the ultimate gift of a lifetime. You know, when you're talking about these billionaires, it's like they had a privilege to fail and get back up again. There are some failures that are are really terrible failures. The failures that we're talking of are pretty freaking comfortable. We find a way, mm. we still have food to eat, we have a roof over our heads, some people have a partner to rely on. And we have enough gumption that we're like up for going after it again. And I think, you know, one, another thing I've learned from Seth this year is the stories that we tell ourselves. And when we can get out of the rut of telling ourselves the same story, then we get to create a new future. And so the longer we stay in a story of a failure, that becomes our identity if we want it to be. And, you know, we're not really ones for martyrs. We're not here to play the victim game. And if you're up for, for living a big, honest, authentic life, you'll realize that you didn't really wake up in the morning and say, I want, I want to be a failure and stay in that story. I want to be brave. And the antidote to failure is, is being brave. And that means that we might fail. And I want to give a shout out to Tara Robertson, who Seth also introduced me to this year. And you can find her on LinkedIn. And she launched a program this year and put together a beautiful marketing campaign. And it was a DEI campaign specifically for, for white male leaders, I believe. And no one signed up. And I have to celebrate that she created a beautiful campaign and she freaking celebrated the heck out of the fact that it failed. She's like, look, I went out on a limb. I, I created these videos for you. I told you all the reasons you should join me and no one signed up. And I think that, I don't know if it comes with age. It's, it's not that it comes with success. And I say that in quotations, but gosh, the bravery to tell the truth when we know everyone is experiencing some version of failure or suffering along the way, that truth would just unite us to say like, let's keep going together. We're, we're in this together. We, we've got this and you're going to fail and you're going to fly and, and onward, onward. So I really, I resonate with the privilege of failing and the bravery it takes to 
And I don't want to say keep going because sometimes a failure says, ah, is this a fork in the road? There's a new direction. And sometimes a failure says, no, it's something I'm really committed to and I want to keep going. And, and that's a reality. I also want to share that I listened to a great podcast recently. I'm going to incorrectly plug it with a man. I believe his name is Michael Easter. And he talks about the, the comfort crisis. Hold Amazing. up. Like we are lazy indoor balls of potential that are sitting inside. And I think if we can get out of this like state of comfort, what is possible? And I don't think you would ever consider yourself a failure if you were on the move. And so that really, really what struck me. I was going to say, Steph, is that everything that you just said had me think of that to fail, you must try. And if you don't try, what is failure then? Because I think of my kids, right? And I'm like, they could fail school. Who knows? However, if they're really trying, then the failure is so worth it. And if they don't try, then failure means something else. So it sounds like effort towards something. You might call it failure if you don't get towards what you want to go. But what you just had me think of is failure is not the end. Failure is just a, you're not, you're just stopping along the way to get to where you want. So it's not the end of the story for us. It could be the start line. You it just don't be. know it. You know, like could could be that's where we needed to be to to start what's yeah. next. Yeah. I also think it moves us toward I'm just thinking in my own life, like every time that there's been some sort of failure, like it's moved me more towards community mm-hmm. and more towards the person that I want to become because you kind of recognize, oh shoot, I can't do that thing that I thought I could take on alone or I need some more wisdom or guidance or I need to go kind of to my people and say, hey, like, did I miss something? What was it about me taking this on that it didn't go the way I thought, right? It failed. But then it draws it draws us back into like that circle of trust or those closest people, our advisors, our mentors, our closest friends to say, did I miss something? If I were to do it again, how could I do it differently? Because again, I think like true failure is like you had said, Cecily, like kind of the not doing right in action towards something is really the only true failure. You failed to risk, you failed to try. And then quite simply saying like, oh, well, it didn't go the way that I planned the first time. So I'm just going to repeat the process exactly the same way and hope that it works. It's like most times we have to tweak. Mm -hmm. And for me, that always forces me back to that drawing board and back to community, which is like a beautiful thing to do. But if we fail in secret or in silence because we're embarrassed or we feel shame or whatever, we I think we miss out on on the opportunity for self-reflection and growth and to invite people in to to help to shape us. I think that's that, so well you know, said. Community is a yeah. huge role. I feel again so passionately about this, which comes back to like the power of language and vibration. Because Dean, to your point, it's like, are you with people that are up for like raising the game with you and like holding the vibration and holding the light and that might be like here to dust off your knees and it might be like, let's go. Like there's a, there's a new way. There's another way, you know, and community feels like the currency of 2024. I think more than ever mm. we need each other and we need to be in this game of life together. And I thought I was so competitive once upon a time and I've never been more excited to hold hands across any start line or finish line. That's like, we got this, like we don't drown together we don't win to get like let's go you know it's it's about together and so i think maybe that is something that we take into consideration at the end of this year like who made a dent on your heart this year and who who do you need to write a note to and who do you need to celebrate and say 
I wouldn't have chased this dream without you. And maybe it's a stranger and it's Michael Easter, who I haven't yet had the pleasure of meeting, but thank you, Michael, you've implored me to like get outside. You made a dent in 2023 on my heart. And then who do you want? Who's missing from your circle or your community in 2024? And that could be a new coach. That could be a business coach. That could be a a sport coach of some nature. You know, whatever that is, who's the teacher, the guru that you need in your life in 2024? Because it sounds to me when I'm listening to this conversation, it's like failure is going to happen. Like if you're up for it, it's going to happen. So maybe instead of the like anti-goal or unresolution, it's like set the big goals and then who do you need to, mm. to bring you along there? Like what's the ascension to the best version of yourself? That's what comes up for me when I'm listening to you guys riff here. Yeah. Have you heard, I think it's on that, it's along that lines. And I know Michael Easter has talked about it. That It's like a Japanese mm. practice of misogi or misogi. Yeah. And it is like, it's like that huge audacious kind of goal but the purpose of it is like, it's a 50-50 on whether or not you're going to make it. And so there are people who've taken this practice on and a lot inspired by Michael Easter writing this comfort crisis and kind of pulling that into the forefront and, and bringing that into the comfort of our Western world is this, this concept of like, do something. Don't just set a goal that you know you can achieve, but set something that's like, wow, this is going to take a lot of thought and effort and planning and community and support. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to try this thing. And usually it is some sort of physical feat, but it's kind of the all encompassing mental, emotional, spiritual, physical. And there's a, it's an equal shot of whether or not you're going to be able to complete it or not. And I, and I feel like erring on the side of not being able to complete it. And then seeing that as like the victory It's like, you tried something that was a bit of a moonshot, but like, what did you gain out of that? What did you gain by failing? Yeah. It's like a great question to ask, right? That's to a say, great question. Ah, okay. Yeah. But that concept, that's something that's something that I've been thinking about as we approach the New Year's. Like what's what's like a misogyny that I could like try to do that would push push my limits? You know? I do like, hear that. Yeah. And what comes up for me is that sometimes we talked about this, that can be very overwhelming for people to go really big. And what I mm. think is that sometimes our mind keeps us in constraint. And so sometimes the biggest shift for people could just be thinking that something is possible that wasn't possible before. Like that person I was talking about who was like, I used to talk like this and now I talk like this. And for them, that's transformative. But it might not be as like, so I'll look into this misogi and see what that is. But I know being a goal setter that sometimes I could feel paralyzed by having to go bigger. I'm like, what is bigger? And so, you know, the last book that I just read is called The Great Work of Your Life. And in it, they said that small is big. And I just felt like a deep sigh of relief. Uh, did you ever read the book Small Giants? That one was kind of like a big Is of, it? Uh, no. I'll add it to the list. It's good because I think in in business, we often feel, I'm saying we, I often feel that bigger is better, more is better, chase revenue, chase growth, all these things. But it's the idea of the small giant, like do, do one thing great and make it like a legacy, make it special, make it like it, you don't need to have 20 of something or make a billion dollars. Like you can have one using an example, you could have one coffee shop. Like we can give shout out to uh, our neighbors here in Steveson Sanctuary Cafe. It's, it's one coffee shop, but he's definitely a small giant. Like he impacts so many people's lives. Like everybody that comes in there has a special connection with Tim, has a special story. It's definitely a small giant in the community here in Steveson and for cyclists. And just like shifting that mindset of like, 
oh, like I don't need to have 10 of these. I can have one and I can really focus on it and make it special and important. There was a couple of things that you both said that I kind of wanted to, to circle in on. One was like the idea of, of community for 2024 and, and just kind of thinking about uh, stress and failure and going back to those thinking that we're, we're the average, I've heard the saying, we're the average of the five people we spend the most time with. So like bringing intention to that community. And when Dean was talking about, you know, failure and, and, and talking to people, I think it's for myself, having a business partner and a wife and, and having, you know, a podcast partner and Dean, if I have, have something that's very stressful and I keep it to myself, it just kind of gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and, and becomes more paralyzing. But the minute I, I share it with someone, it becomes so small. Like uh, a juice track, if I speak with Ryan, I'm like really stressed about this. He'll have like zero stress about what I'm stressing about. And it almost becomes laughable. <laughs> like, uh, I'm like, oh, you're not stressed about that? Like, that's causing you zero stress? And this is causing me like 100% stress? Okay, if it's causing you zero stress, like this must not be a big deal. So it, it just like, uh, I'm just using like personal examples. But like, as soon as you voice these things, I think it can really put into perspective those experiences or those thoughts that can kind of be holding you back from that start line or, or from even kind of processing that failure or like getting to the finish line of that failure so you can get to the next step. And then to kind of like wrap this up, Steph, I really liked what you said about comfort crisis because I think just in observing a lot of what's happening in the world, maybe not let's say in the world, but here, here locally, I think we are having a bit of a comfort crisis where we're happy with the middle ground where we're just we're seeking comfort without ambition to have more than that and i just wanted to like without attachment of that being good or bad i just wanted your your thoughts on that idea of of a comfort crisis yeah well the essence of comfort crisis and dean forgive me or like chime in where i might have some holes the the one piece that really stood out was being outside his whole piece was like being outside for four hours a day and how like that's pretty radical and like most people aren't outside I mean it's the hours of daylight are darker the the weather is pretty wet it's you know it's winter here in the Pacific Northwest and he's like it, it shouldn't be such a big deal to be outside for four hours a day and that was that's sort of one of the foundational components of this comfort crisis and I would just I guess antidote it that with that I think effort is really cool and effort without attachment. And again, it's something that I work on personally. I, I share with Seth often, you know, I, this is going to take effort and I don't know what's going to come back. And, and she reminds me like, you make the trip, you show up, you, you do it anyway, unattached to what the result might be. And I'm not willing to like sit in the in the comfort. I also think there's a piece of comfort that's like almost resignation. It's like you kind of, it's like the opposite of surrendering. You just, you could give up on something and it's like, well, where can you be the one that puts in a little bit more effort? You know, you go outside for 30 minutes a day. What if you go outside for two hours? And my, my dog would appreciate some more effort, would appreciate me not to be quite so comfortable. And yeah, I, I just think there's, there's something to comfort that we can push ourselves a little bit. You know, just the other day, Seth and I were finishing the work day and I was like, oh, we don't really love to sweat after work. And I've had some food and I was like, accountability, like we're going for it. Go sweat, go find your way to move. And 
then we both said, you know what, we like to sweat in the morning. So don't come to work tomorrow until you've, you've sweat first. And that was awesome. It was beautiful accountability. Uh, and I think we both did. <laughs> we, you know, we both got yeah. sweat in before the day began. So I just, I want to say I honor what's happening in the world and I don't want the comfort crisis to come off the wrong way. And I guess my antidote is like, put in some effort. And when you think you've put in some, put in a little more and stay unattached to the outcome, to the results. You know, your six pack doesn't owe you anything. You might need to put in a little bit more effort, especially at the end of the year. And and that's worth it. Yeah. I like that because I, I think what I'm comfortable personally, I'm, it means I'm a little bit lazy. Uh, I'm, it's I'm, a, there's I'm a, a lazy, lazy epidemic. And you know what it equals yeah. is a loneliness epidemic because we just sit a little bit in isolation and you become a little bit more complacent and you sit down a little bit deeper in the couch. Ah, no, mm-hmm. no. It's kind of like I could, but I'm really comfortable. Yeah. I'm just going to watch another show or scroll Instagram for another 20 minutes. Like for, for myself, it's usually complacency, a bit of laziness. You know, my heart so. goes out for people and especially with comfort. And I think the the most important thing is for people to just understand that what's going on. So I haven't watched that or listened. And I think that if people are going to comfort, there might be a reason. And that's really important to honor your, you know, your mental health and awareness. And I, you know, I think about people and I think it's important to notice it. And once people can notice, okay, what's going on, then they have a choice. But if they feel like they don't have a choice, that's where I think community or finding someone to support them, like going up, get a physical coach or a wellness coach or find anything that inspires them. And I do think it always comes back down to purpose and people feeling fulfilled because as soon as you have that, like, oh, this is what lights me up, then you will get off the couch or get outside. Like then there's purpose. But for me to go outside for four hours, no, thank you. You know, Mm -hmm. like I love outside and I loved our 30 minute walks. And for me, my mind goes in a hundred ways So I want to do all the things. So it could look like being outside. It could look like doing other things. But when I know I have inspiration and purpose, I don't need those things to go do that, do that, do that. So I just feel for people who don't feel lit up right now. And maybe it's about finding what lights you up is what comes Mm -hmm. up for me. Yeah, yeah, no, that resonates so much, Cecily. And I think that like a lot of people, especially as we age, like we will stop trying new things. And we know what we know and we like what we like and it's comfortable, even if it's not sitting on the couch by the fire wrapped up in a blanket, cozy, comfortable. It is that sense of comfort. And like I know, again, like just in my own life, trying something new and committing to something for like a couple of weeks or a couple of months has always been the antidote to like that internal angst or unrest or feeling of like, you know, like dis-ease within myself of like, I don't, I'm not happy with how things are. And then trying something new or committing to something new has always been, for me, like a healthy antidote to whatever is like not working in me. And so fully acknowledging that people come from different places and have different journeys that they're on. But I would always encourage just like, again, you know, from, from my personal experience, this is what I would share is like, if you feel stressed or anxious or depressed and your kind of regular day-to-day schedule is like, look at the screen at work, look at the screen at home, watch the screen, scroll the screens, and you feel bad about yourself and you don't like how your life feels or looks or is, and then 
the answer to that is more of the same thing, you're probably not going to find yourself in a healthier version. So what if you tried something different for a week and just said, instead of this, this for five or seven days and see what happens and allow yourself to be curious, like, like curious and allow yourself to explore something new. And, and I think that that's awesome because people can find ways, like you said, find the thing that lights you up. Oh, it's not yoga but I love spin class or it's not spin class, but I love just going for a walk, listening to an audio or a podcast or whatever it might be. Find your thing and like, and then go, go do it. Oh no. I was going to say, Steph is always like, I just started swimming a new swim club. I'm now doing yes. the skiing. She's like, I just joined CrossFit gym for a month. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like it's so inspiring to shift the perspective because we get mm-hmm. stuck in our perspective and think that's the way our life goes. And as soon as you step out, that's where like, poof, new things are possible. Mm-hmm. Stephanie, go. Yes. Well, I just wanted, I was listening to you, Dean, and I wanted to know, like, when was the last time that you've done something? Like, what was your five-day, like, kick the rut? Or when, like, what have you Uh, been curious about lately? Yeah, so for me, I would say, well, it's a habit now, but in September... Uh, I randomly, we had gone away at the end of summer. And so my circadian rhythm was kind of thrown off and I had kept waking up at like 4.45 and I was like, ah, this is too early. Like I need to just go back to bed and go to sleep. And I was like, but it was still summer. So it was like, kind of like it was brightish out. Maybe I'll just get up and go for a walk. Like I have a weighted vest. So I was like, maybe I'll put the foot on the vest and go for a walk and just like listen to a podcast or just go and not listen to anything. And I was like, cause I'm awake. And it'll be better for me than just like laying in bed, not sleeping and like staring at my phone or something useless. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then the next morning, the same thing. I just woke up. So I was like, okay, I'll adjust soon enough one more day. And now that was like Labor Day and it's now almost 2024. And I think there's been two or three mornings where I haven't been out of the house at like 5 a.m. going for a walk in the morning, rain or there's no shine now because yeah. it's just darkness. <laughs> but, and that was the thing. And and I love that. And it's given me a whole new, I was speaking to a friend actually on the phone today because he's in Eastern Canada and it worked out that he was like, oh, I'm free after eight. And I was like, oh, that's five. Perfect. I'll call you on my walk. And it's like created so much capacity for me just to listen and learn, to be quiet. It's like an hour and a half basically that I have to myself. There's zero expectation because everyone else is still sleeping. So nothing is getting in the way and it's just for me and it allows me to start my day in a way that is just like so, it's, I feel so grounded and so good after. And it is the source of a lot of new things where I'm like, oh, maybe this or, or this thing that I'm wrestling with, it works itself out in those moments. So yeah, that's kind of been, it's not new, new, but that's yeah. been like the, the adjustment. That's yeah. so cool. Thanks for sharing. Right. So on, um, I think it's great, uh, as Dean mentioned, to like continue to try new things. And, and like he said, it's harder as we get older to be like i'm gonna learn how to skateboard or or, you know it all seems a little bit crazier as we get older so to to kind of push ourselves so i've got a couple bigger questions but uh, maybe put a bookend on the comfort crisis uh says you said one thing that i think i'd like to explore a little further i think it when we get in the the comfort trap I agree. Sometimes it can be a safety place that's that's necessary. But if we're just kind of stuck there without purpose, what is a a catalyst, a a first step to finding that purpose that might give us some direction? Well, 
for me personally, it's always a book. So I listen, Steph throws me podcasts all the time to listen to, which is incredible because if it's before we start work, I'll listen to it while I'm, you know, doing something else, getting the kids ready. A book, I, I don't overthink it. I let them land in my lap. And so the one I just read, The Great Work of Your Life, I didn't think I was going to read it this year. And I just pulled it out and it talks all about purpose. And I didn't even know I needed that right now. And I was like, wow, well, that was an upgrade. So I do think to change our our mindset, we must do something different, like out of the normal habit. So for anyone to look at how to do that, I you know, there's this tool that we use and it's just write down from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed, write down every single thing that you do from wake up, drink water, go to the washroom, go to my, like there's all these automatic habits that no one knows that we do, like putting on pants. We don't even realize that we're getting dressed. And so Mm -hmm. if we can change our habits or want to change our habits, we have to first understand where is there space to insert a new habit. And so I would say that's the first step. Or um, you've all talked about this so beautifully is like, sign yourself up for something radical, like a cooking class, Um, meet a new group of people that you wouldn't have met before, listen to a new topic. So, you know, we talked a bit about I dove into financial literacy this year. That's a whole other group and community that I wasn't, or last year, yeah, I wasn't really involved in. And now my eyes are open to a new community. That's kind of my next question. So that's a perfect segue. You know, we've, we've spoken a lot on wellness on this podcast, whether that's movement, exercise, races, kind of like pushing yourself physically to nutrition and, and even like quantum wellness and, and grounding and sunlight and water and all this stuff. And Dean and I were on one of these early morning walks that he was speaking about, kind of talking about maybe the things that were the conversations that were, were missing, the conversations that we're not having. And we're like, financial wellness we're not having conversations about financial wellness we're having conversations about every other kind of wellness except financial wellness so and it's it's really necessary in so many ways it's a stress point for a lot of people because we don't bring intention or we just kind of hope for the best without bringing that same approach that we do in other sectors of wellness in our life like you don't go to the gym and just start lifting super heavy weight you know so maybe we can circle in on this for a little bit, Seth, and you can talk about the financial wellness in your life, what you've learned in the past year, and some of the habits and steps that you're uh, using for yourself or that you're curious about. Uh, maybe talk us through that process a little bit. Sure. I think um, before I dive in, Steph, I'm going to pass the baton to you because it's one thing when I started to dive in, Steph just had so much so much support for me to dive into this conversation and openness as a partner, you know, a a work partner and a business partner. And so it just allowed me to speak about my failures really openly and my financial situation and what I'm learning. But you said, Steph, this is one of the conversations. You said something like, this is a conversation that people don't talk about enough. So you go and then I'll add some of my tips that I've been learning. Well, I think that the thing with finances is let's just call it what it is, that it is rooted in childhood trauma 
that is most likely not identified and you don't really want to talk about someone's visa bill and their childhood trauma in one sentence in like one casual conversation let's sit down and have a latte tell me all about your childhood trauma and what is your financial situation and i think when we can take the charge out of it we have so much more room for compassion and finances feel different i'm not sure what else like i want to say maybe sex or menopause or even like sexual orientation feel like two conversations and then of course politics you don't want to have over a holiday dinner and so i'm like okay the conversation you don't want to have over holiday dinner why well because it's the number one pain point People want to inject judgment. And I'm like, step one, release judgment. Hold people as the best possible versions of themselves that made the best possible choices that they knew in that moment. It's not our job to share an opinion. We don't need to add any shame. We don't need to glorify anything. We come onto this earth with nothing and we leave with nothing. Then you get to have really open conversations. For some folks, getting a morning coffee is like a safety blanket. It's not a waste of $5. It's like a sweet ritual. Please don't take that away from me and I'll eat beans for dinner. Got it. Let's just have the conversation of like, how much do you want to spend on coffee and how much do you want to spend on dinner? And so I also think it's a place to welcome other people's vulnerability. And then you'll see so much else that they will share with you vulnerably. And you get to welcome a space of support that like actually matters to them, not like some facade or sprinkle support. It's like what actually matters. And I think that goes... I, I think that kind of covers everything. Just release the judgment, ditch the shame, hold the space for truth, love, and light, and you will create new depths of relationships that you just had no idea. And then before you know it, you're like, oh, you're making these choices and you're doing this instead of that. And it's really beautiful. And guess what? We're going to go into debt and then we'll get out of debt and we'll probably go into debt again. And then we'll get out of debt and then something else will happen. And so I'm like, oh gosh, please, more compassion. Now, Seth, you get into like the real nugget. The first book that I read, and I, you know what the truth is? I cannot remember why I dove into this. I've always been, I've always had a goal to uh, always have what I need is my goal. Always have what I need. Now I have two kids and a home, I feel very blessed and always have what I need. Basic needs come first for anything. And I think the truth is that I believed, and in all the books that I read, it said that I'm just going to stereotype this. It doesn't need to be true for everyone listening. It just says that if you look back, women would hide cash under their bed and they didn't know about their finances. And then all these things happened and they were like taken. You know, they just didn't know. And so I looked at myself and go, what don't I know? What am I not owning? Because I don't think I need to. So I just looked at my habits of where do I take charge of finances and where do I leave it for other people that is not working. And you know what I did? I just took all of my finances under control and, and all of the books said to like, look at everything you're spending. And I found things like Amazon accounts, extra accounts we were paying for. I found extra like iTunes and I just shut her down. I was like, this is not happening. I didn't need to ask anyone for permission. I just took control. And then I said yes to things and I said no to things. And I read the book, The Latte Factor. 
after I read Money Master the Game, where he talks about money's a game, go into debt, get out of debt. You have to take the risk. Failure might be investing in something, failing, and then that's okay. You'll recover somewhere else if you have that money to play the game. So it was just like wild. So the latte factor, he talks about how much money people are spending on, it doesn't even need to be lattes, whatever your vice is. It feels warm and fuzzy to go out and get something that someone else makes for you. Well, guess what? That's a million dollars. So I'm like, okay, well, when you put it that way, my child could get $10 from babysitting. And if he goes spends it at Starbucks, you know what I say now? Do you want a million dollars when you're 17? Or do you want that pumpkin spice chai latte? Up to you. I'm just giving you the insights. My 12-year-old's they love it when I drive them and their friends in a car now and I give them insight into they could be millionaires by the time they're 18. So once I saw, <laughs> I'm like, you guys want a house in Vancouver? Got it. Save that money now because do you want to hear about compound interest? Like it's just like <laughs> things I just didn't know when I was 19 right. that if I knew at 10 would be very different now. And so now that I do know that, I don't think that we talk enough about financial literacy. One other thing. So I, I don't buy coffees out. I I just like in 2023, limited the amount of co I don't buy it out. I make it at home. I don't spend on things that I don't want. And I do spend on things that I do want. I know where I'm in debt and I know I have a plan to pay it off. I know what I spend monthly. Like there's just so many different shifts. And you know, the biggest shift is that I'm not freaking out. And that has been the mm. biggest upgrade of my life. That's that's awesome. I think it's so interesting. Like, and I'm in many ways guilty of like not knowing enough in our division of like labor as partners. Um, my wife definitely does more on the financial side. And like for a while there, she had a joke where she was like, if I got hit by a bus, like you would be screwed. Like you wouldn't even know how to log into our accounts to pay our bills. And there was a moment where I was like, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> oh crap. I was like, yeah, let's sit down and like make this a little bit more <laughs> equally shared because, and then it was like that realization too, as I wanted to get more, you know, versed in like financial wellness is like, I can't if I don't know what I'm doing. Cause I just parallel it to something physical where I'm like, oh yeah, I, I know what to do when I show up to a gym because I've read about it. I've learned about it. I've watched videos. I've paid attention. I know what the goals are and how to achieve those goals. Right. You're not going to improve your squat by just going for runs. You got to work, you got to add load. And so when I want to improve in my financial wellness and literacy, it's like, okay, you got to pay attention to those places, those spaces and the people that are doing it have done it. And it's, the more I've had that conversation just like casually with friends, it's so interesting that so many of us are like, man, I don't really know. Yeah. Like I'm saving a little bit. I'm in debt a lot of it and <laughs> we'll figure it out eventually. But it's like, wait, wait, we need to take control to have the freedom to live like the way that we want to live. I have to tell you this and then please jump in. So in one of the books that I read, it does say that when someone in life, like an athlete is so excellent or someone in business is so excellent. If you got to sit at a table with them, you would ask, how do you do it? What we don't do is go to a dinner and ask a wealthy person, how did you get wealthy? And mm. that blew my mind. And so then I went on that search and I would ask people, how did you get here? What did you do? What didn't you do? And one of the biggest things that I've also learned is stocks, like how to make investments. And every single book that I read talked about investments. So my portfolio last year expanded. 
And it was so wild to see because I never thought that was possible. Yeah, I think asking those questions, like like you mentioned, Steph, I feel like money, sex, there's certain things that we keep to ourselves that, you know, we don't share. Like, I don't go up to like, how much did you make last year? Or what was your profit? Or what are your margins? Like, it's like, these are our private, private things. But I think when we bring these things from the darkness to the light, one, we can learn from each other. Two, we can feel good about our choices or it just really makes it a more dynamic situation than something where we're isolating to ourselves, whether that's for successful reasons or for the opposite. You know, like uh, if you're in debt, maybe you could use some help to get out of debt. If you've made lots of money, maybe you can share how you made lots of money so other people can also have that experience if, if there's possibility. Like I was just writing down the coffee, like that's almost $2,000 a year if you bought a coffee every day. Like if you put that $2,000 in, in a stock, like you're talking about, wow, holy smokes. And then and it like leave, compounds leave. and you get interest. You see that? Like over time. So I'm trying to think about, I don't drink coffee, but I'm like, I definitely spend money on stupid things. So I got to think about all those stupid things that don't bring value to my life. Some things do, like you were saying, like buy the things that you want to buy that are going to bring value. But I passively buy lots of things. Like I think I more do it with the kids. Like yeah. we're out and they're like, I want this, this toy that is going to be in the garbage in 24 hours and it's $7. And I'm always like, okay, like let's get six of them. Yeah, <laughs> Passing on those things because they don't need those toys that are going to end up in the landfill in, in a week. So yeah, when they and get then, older, the conversation changes to, okay, do you have money? And is that yeah. how you want to spend your money? And they're like, no. And yeah. I'm like, well, I'm not spending my money on that either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. But yeah, thinking about turning that from like something that's in the garbage to something that's creating interest for you is like wow. pretty profound. Yeah. What do you think, Seth, what do you think about the idea of like investing? Because kind of the, the standard line is like take your money and invest it in like a, a savings account, like high interest savings account. But I've heard some people say like doing that is actually you're, you're losing money because the rate of inflation is higher than the rate of interest. So you're way better. It's riskier, but it's a way better move to find where you could invest that, where there's going to be like a better like ROI. Do you speak to that? Well, is that so, something that you've learned on? Or? I love this. <laughs> not no, that this I is any it. financial I'm, advice well, for anyone. I'm not an expert, so I just want to preface yeah. it with that. And Steph, please chime in because you are I feel like excellent with finances. Not, I don't know if many people know that, but like my questions, when I have questions, I go to Steph and I say, please, let's talk about this. What I have learned though with savings account is if you don't have enough to get the interest, then yes, it's not worth it. Once you do have enough and you have a substantial amount in a savings account, then you're going to see it. And I played with that this year. I had the kids money and I had them in separate savings account and they were getting like pennies. I put it together. They got gifts. I kept putting it into one savings account. And now it's like substantial, the amount that they're getting in that in that account. So I would say, yes, know how much you're getting and then assess it out. Maybe it's in a stock. Maybe it's in a, you know, I, I bought gold. Mm-hmm, gold. I like that. The gold standard. <laughs> Yeah, I just I want to jump in and share, you know, bless us. I don't know that I'm excellent. I think that it's just something that I've really been very passionate about for a long time. And, you know, I heard you say I buy stupid things. And I stopped there. And I'm like, it's not stupid. You want to be a great dad. And you want to be a great dad 6x even. And you know, Sess is obsessed with coffee team obsessed. And 
getting coffee in the morning for Sess is an essential part of her day. And so I wasn't going to be the one to say, stop buying coffee. And then she chose to buy a beautiful coffee maker at home because it gets to satiate that. And so then in the same way, it's like your language, like the upgrade on language with money is step one. And that also comes into our relationship with the word debt that we associate debt to be bad and it's actually not and the most beautiful thing you can hear or know is that most humans are in debt whether that is a mortgage or consumer debt or you name it and yes there might be some good versus bad debt and credit card debt isn't ideal yet debt can also equal shame so let's be careful that we like honor the power of that and we we you know and then i also want to just declare that like we're in a recession and many people right now are doing something called paycheck to paycheck and they're hanging on and not everyone gets to put money into savings accounts right now and i just want to honor that that's okay and that hopefully things will change and you know, it'll become a little bit easier. Interest rates will come down and we can choose how we want to put money into savings accounts in different ways. And so I just want to speak to, to that reality as well right now. And I think that I always say time and our money are two forms of treasures. So you might not have money, let's say, to give to the food bank and you might have some time to give to the food bank. And so the other upgrade I want to offer is like, if we don't feel overly abundant in cash, I think the other piece of financial literacy is know what else you can give instead of versus feeling like cash is the only thing you have to give. So I just, I hope those are a few different perspectives to add to the table that can come in so many different ways. It ebbs and flows. I mean, I like talking mm -hmm. about the cost of butter in Squamish, British Columbia. And when it's on sale, I'm like, everyone go buy butter. It's on sale. And I like that to me is financial literacy. A pound of butter is on sale in Squamish. Celebrate that. Anyway, hold hold all of it. Well, I think my takeaway is just being intentional, mm. being aware, bringing both of those things into our, our financial practice so that we're not just passive and we don't know how we got where we are. Mm -hmm. As long as we know how we're getting where we're going, I think that's a positive step. Well, I want to share one other nugget and it's so timely with, you know, this being the end of one year and the beginning of a new year. I know we said that podcasts are timeless, but yet do you know that the, the two top resolutions or goals that are set January 1st are financial goals and health goals? And it involves saving more money and losing more weight. You want more money in the bank and you want a lower number on the scale. And by January 21st, 70% of people that have set those goals have given up on them. So I just think it's so powerful to be able to have this financial literacy conversation. And I'm like, just tell me what you're committed to January 21st. And if you have some form of a financial or health related goal, I want to know who you're up for being on January 21st. And that feels like the real golden nugget to financial literacy. And then you get to carry on. And, and likewise with health, you know, Diener, to your point, 445. It's freaking early. Bring it on. <laughs> yeah, it's good. In many ways, it circles back to the very, com the very start of the conversation, right? Like what can we do, but also what can we let go? And recognizing that that is true across the board from like a fitness, personal health kind of goal to a financial goal is like, okay, do I try to let go of 
you know, my morning Starbucks or Tim Hortons or wherever you go for your morning coffee run and then repurpose that into something more meaningful. Even if it's not, I'm going to just pocket that money and save it, but I'm going to use it and I'm going to treat my friends to like a really nice dinner because that's going to bring me joy and meaning. And just like even re repurposing how we use our money and our time and everything could be, could be an invitation to consider rather than like, okay, deprive yourself of this and save it for something else. But you know, shifting, shifting the way we use our resources can also be uh, an intentional reframe of what we have and, and moving towards who, who we'd like to see ourselves becoming. Okay. I have to tell you one more thing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is my favorite secret and it's not even so much a secret. Do you name your bank accounts? Yeah. Like what? Checkings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like scratch that. So here's the upgrade. Yeah, <laughs> I have names in my bank account for all company accounts, savings, credit cards, and likewise personal. And they go from being mantras. They go to being goals. They're never checking and they're never a number. I mean, an account number. And I will tell you, it renovated my relationship with all things finances. The mantra of I am abundant, the declaration of Yahoo, exclamation mark. Like it's just how do you want to feel when you dance and date with money? And it can start with the really simple things. My visa card is I can't wait to pay you off. And I just would pay it off. Like just it's cheeky, it's only me. Diener, you could surprise your partner and, you know, like update the accounts and she'll be so stoked. <laughs> Just yeah. love it. Start with the things that you have total access to. And I'm like, what oh. is free? And like, love is free. Joy is free. You can have a lot of fun with finances in ways that, you know. Well, that's the main thing is that there's an energy towards everything we do. So, you know, like Cafe Gratitude in San Francisco or LA and the water bottles that say I'm love. So what you're doing is power of language to something that can be very stressful for people. Yeah. So it can change our energy when it's time to pay the bills. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One thing I was going to share is that I've shifted instead of taking away. So, you know, when people, Steph, you were saying that people want to lose weight. So the word lose has a very depleting energy and people won't achieve the lose. Right. Um, maybe that's not right. You know what I mean? When people say I lose or I'm in debt, that has a negative energy. It keeps people downward spiraling. So one thing with finances is the word wealth has really been an upgrade, like wealth, wealth and abundance, like you mentioned, Steph. And I say to myself, instead of taking away things, like I can't have, I can't buy that coffee. Sometimes I can. It, I'm setting the rules. Um, but I ask myself, there has to be another way. So I want to buy another financial book on Amazon. There has to be another way. I have gone to the library a lot. So just as long as I never get stopped by what I want to achieve, because there has to be another way. So that's what I'll share. I never want people yeah. to deprive themselves of things. There's always another way. I, I, we've said this kind of quote before. Yvonne Schwinnard has this quote where I'm paraphrasing it, but he's, he says something along the lines, I never take a step backwards. I turn around and take a step forward in the other direction. And I, I love that kind of, 
pivot of, you know, we're just, we're always stepping forward. It just, it might not be in the direction that we, we thought we were going. I've got one last question and then kind of one, one fun one as we kind of put a bow on this conversation. And, and I'm so grateful for, for both of you, for your time and, and just for sharing this abundance that you guys bring to, to this conversation, but, but to your lives and the communities that you're a part of. Steph, you started the conversation uh, talking about high vibrational language. And I wondered, I, I wanted, before we kind of wrap things up, I wondered if you could give us some examples of that so that we can bring, maybe that's how we bring abundance or manifest manifestations into our life is changing the language that we use. So can you kind of tell us a bit about high vibrational language? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm going to say that if enthusiasm was a font, how can you write in that font? And I want to say, like, there's a thing about exclamation marks. I get it. Is it's it's more like what is just so authentic to you, and how would you use written language to meet a friend on the street that you haven't seen in a long time and you're so excited to see? And how can you communicate like that in other ways and channels? How do you evoke emotion? when you don't have the opportunity to see people. You know, one time um, this year, I wanted to send through a proposal to a really interesting human um, on the East Coast of America. And you know, East Coasters, they think us West Coasters are a little bit different. And I sent him a video and I walked him through this proposal with a loom. So there was a you know, picture in the, in the side. And he was like, who are you? And I was like, Oh, got it. Like I just added myself in the most human form possible of this video because we can't be in person and it evoked a reaction on the other side. So yeah, I just, that's what I want to say. Create an, a, a font of enthusiasm and use that font through every digital means of communicating and then when you're in person don't hold back like if if i have an opportunity right now to share with you how stoked i am to be here like i want you to know that i want you to feel that and if i'm not stoked i also want you to know that and i want it to be responsible that i'm not a dink about it you know so there's a responsibility factor but i i th- i feel like often we think that it's not professional and we want to uh you know mimic chat gpt or it'll be fluffy and i'm like actually it's not fluffy and it's super powerful and um it's going to be as real as i can make it if we can't be in person that's my commitment it's a new font for 2024 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Steph font. that's right yeah. <laughs> no it has to be your own it has to be your own oh Oh, I'm, it's gonna I'm, be a Steph Parker font. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm in. Bold. It's uh, yeah. Bold yeah. Bless. Yeah. All right. My last question as we wrap this up, and again, appreciate you both. <laughs> uh, the end of the year, you know, people like to set goals. My favorite thing about the end of the year is all the lists. I love. I'm like, I could miss the whole year and just get the best of lists of 2023. The best songs, the best movies, the best books. I'm like, okay, great. I know what I need to kind of focus on for listening or podcasts. So you guys are both consumers of inspiring things, whether it's podcasts or books or people or conversations. So I thought maybe to kind of wrap this up as to share a few takeaways for those listening. What are a few of your best ofs from 2023? It can be books, podcasts, really whatever resonates with that question. You can take it wherever you want. Do you want me to jump first, Seth? Yep. I feel like 
I guess, again, to tie it in a bow, what comes up for me when I think of best ofs is my calendar and my bank account. So where did I spend my time and where did I spend my money? And wherever I spent most of my time and most of my money should make the best of list. And for all of our listeners, I just need you to know that we are being thrown this question on the spot. So this is not a curated list. This is like a true on the spot. Um, And I also just went to like, who or what have I taken photos of? So what would be in my photo bank? And um, what have I shared or received? So I'm going to say that podcasts have certainly taught my list. And I have been really into Mel Robbins, she really stole the show on podcasts this year and um, DOAC from the desk of a CEO, Stephen, and I'm really into him. So he is two of my, I've I've really been into from an audio perspective. I also want to say that this year I took on listening to podcasts at 2X. And so my best of is, is 2X speed. From a health perspective, I want to share that drinking AG1 plug to the sponsor made a difference Hmm. in my life. I drink a liter of water because of it. And so AG1 for the win. I want to give a shout out to one of my new favorite Vancouver companies called Dogged. My favorite Vancouver startup Dogged was the delivery of a lot of joy for my little pup Bernie. So best of Vancouver startup Dogged. And those are the top three I can think of podcast that made a difference, health, AG1, and a Bernie treat from Dogged. Uh, Seth, before we pass it to you, I just want to say, Steph, the Diary of a CEO, the episode on the ordinary on that podcast was one of the best episodes I listened to all year. It blew my mind. I don't know if you listened to that one, but it was like, I didn't know the company, The Ordinary. I didn't know the story. And it was like the most mind-blowing episode. One of the most mind-blowing episodes I listened to. So add that to your two people. Absolutely. Yes, we have actually done work with them. Bless, they are a client of the Corker Co. And I would wow. say um, one of our very first clients was actually Sophia Amoroso, who coined Girl Boss. Okay. And it yes. was an older episode. I think it was the summertime. But my favorite DOAC episode was with Sophia and for any female entrepreneur, it is a like stop, drop and listen to. And quite frankly, to you men, I think that it will put into perspective some of the challenges of being a female entrepreneur from pregnancy to losing money to divorce. She holds back nothing. And I bow to her for that. Wow. Wow. Okay. Going to listen to that one tomorrow. Top of the queue. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Mm. All right. Thank you, Steph. Uh, what about for yourself? Yeah, I'm trying about to yourself. organize this into such a succinct <laughs> way to share it. I should have sent this question. No, it, no, please. I don't like preparing. This is really great. <laughs> <laughs> I overthink it. Um, but I think that there was three categories that I read this year. And one was coaching. A lot of coaching books because I'm a student again in a coaching course. So there I am, coaching books. Um, The second was a lot of leadership books. So I read a book that I hear has been like an original book from decades ago, and it's called The Leadership Challenge. Um, I'm looking at my bookshelf here, Kuzes and Posner, and that one was beautiful for leadership. And then I read a lot of finance books. So the one that I would recommend is Money, Master the Game. It is a big book, so or listen to it, right? 
And then Awaken the Giant Within is one that can get, is around leadership and personal development. And that's a lot of where Steph and I, we already have powerful language together and it gave us even more of an upgrade. Not an upgrade, more of an awakening of like, right, there's other words I can use. The last one that Steph and I read together is called 10X is easier than 2X. And that one, we were pumped, like watch out world. I, If we look back at that week, Steph, and see what we created, it was probably 10X. So that was a really cool book. Now, podcasts, I get most of my podcast stuff is like, listen to this one. Um, but I, <laughs> when I feel like I need to go find an answer, it, whether it's coaching clients or have asked me about this, I have to go back and go, okay, what, how can I support and then send podcasts out to people? And so Jay Shetty has been a really big one. And then I've read two financial, um, I listened to two podcasts. One is called Financial Feminists. Um, and she's been great. And then another one is called um, Personal Finance Podcast. So I think I'm still searching for the right ones because a lot of podcasts around finances I find are US-based. So I've been diving into that as well. So that's it. Podcast books. Was there a third thing? Just anything that resonates, but that's beautiful and perfect. And and I think that gives us all something to take away and Mm -hmm. add to uh, our own cue of inspiration. Okay, wait, hold up. You don't get away with, you don't get to get away without answering the same question. We need to know what's on your best of list with the asterisks of if it's already been stated, you can't say it again. So we need, we need fresh top of the list from you two. Okay. Do you want to start, Tim? Ooh, yeah. I put you on the spot. Uh, yeah, yeah. I would say uh, it's not it's not a new thing, but I've kind of come back to it and, and, and rediscovered it. I've been really diving into it is the, the Huberman Lab podcast. I really like him, the science-based stuff and the research on like kind of, it's like that biohacking thing, but it feels less salesy than a lot of other biohackers out there. It's kind of like, here's the facts, this this will work, this won't. And just trying to like continually from like a physical, but also spiritual and emotional perspective, like how can you be a better version of the person you are by doing these things, you know, over time. Um, so I really, I really liked that lately. <laughs> My biggest thing of the year that's like a new thing is like the regular cold plunging, which is like a, a an offshoot perhaps of of being like the Huberman fan. Um, but I got one on my back patio here and it's been wild even just as the weather has gotten colder and the desire to not do it coupled with the fact of knowing how good I'm going to feel after I do it is always the battle. Um, so just doing being a regular kind of like one of these adherents of the cold water immersion is like top of list for me. I don't know. I feel like I need to rediscover music. I've been mm-hmm. listening to so many podcasts and books and music used to be such a huge part of my life. And in, over the last few months, I've gone back and listened just through albums that I've loved before and kind of like rediscovered some of them. And it makes me want to create and play and make music again. So I think that's something that I have been doing recently, but it's going to be a big thing for the next mm. year. I was taking some notes. I bought some time there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Smooth. <laughs> All right. For myself, I would say spirituality, like kind of re-diving into my own spirituality was uh, a best of for 2023. And that was kind of reawakened within myself through getting into some of the quantum uh, energy and quantum wellness, got really into like 
sunlight and water and grounding and some of these kind of uh, woo-woo basic things, but it really opened my my mind to just being curious and trying new things again and was kind of a gateway inward. Uh, one brand I'll give a shout out to and one founder, Raw Optics. Uh, he makes the best blue light blockers that uh, I've yet to try. Um, and he's one of the most interesting people. His name is Matt Maruka. He's like 24, 25 years old. He's really young, but he hangs out with like Rick Rubin and all these wild people. Like he made custom sunglasses for Rick Rubin. He's like one of the most curious, interesting students that I've ever listened to. He just really explores life fully. Mm-hmm. And I love listening to him. He's on a lot of podcasts. We had him on our podcast. And I'd say he was like one of the people I was most fascinated by in the last year. On that same kind of area of exploration, I've really enjoyed Rick Rubin's punk podcast, which I always butcher the name, but it's like Tetragrammaton. <laughs> I love his podcast. It's so casual. And just Rick Rubin, I think, is just like a modern day poet. Like he's such a beautiful, beautiful mind. And kind of on another lens, I've really enjoyed Lex Friedman's podcast. Um, I like that he will explore um, the same topic from from different perspectives. Um, and he's open to having people, he entertains conversations with people that he has completely different opinions on. And I think that's a great practice is just to have conversations with people that you think differently then and, and approach it with compassion and curiosity and not trying to prove each other right or wrong, just kind of be there to, to entertain conversations. I think we've really, in the last three or four years, we've done a really good job of dividing and putting up flags for what we stand for, what we stand against. And it used to be normal to, to have dinner with people that we thought differently then. And I think we need to get back to that point of just being able to be compassionate and, and friends with people that have different opinions. So Lex Friedman's podcast, he does a great job on that. I just watched The Bear on yeah. uh, Disney Plus, and it was so good. It's oh, great. my gosh. That was an amazing show. So I'll put that at my top. So Is that where the few, kid uh, transforms into a bear? No. Okay. No, I think that's like uh, – it's um, it's a chef in Chicago okay. who um, his brother passes away, and he's like the main uh, – Carmi's the, the protagonist, and he's like the top chef in the world. And he inherits his brother's like greasy spoon diner and moves back to kind of run this restaurant. And it's like so hectic and chaotic and beautiful. And it's amazing. It's such a good show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I give it like a nine and a half out of 10. The first episode, like the first 10 minutes, you literally are like just it, you feel the palpable emotions of the scene. Like I've never experienced watching a show where I was like so immersed right away and was like, oh my gosh, like I, this is so stressful. Yeah. It was wild. It's a, it's a roller coaster. And then I guess one last product that I really liked this year, I really liked Mana Vitality. I'm always like playing around with a ton of different supplements and yeah, I like to see how I feel on different things. And it's a Shila Jeet mixed with a Ormus. So it's got all these trace minerals in it, which are kind of like, I think of, if you think of like Pilates and fitness, it kind of gives you all the the base that you need to kind of build the bigger muscles. We kind of need these trace elements and trace minerals to, to build the foundation so that we can be whole and complete with our health. So Mount of Vitality has been 
my favorite um, supplement that I've I've tried this year. So there's a few of my best ones. I love it. I, I really appreciate you playing the game because you realize on the spot, you're like, holy heck. And I feel like we could do <laughs> yeah. one podcast that just goes around in a circle and you know, you're inspired <laughs> yes. by it. It's like, okay, one more round. One more round. I need to just add in two things to my one more round. So this feels really essential because for our our listeners, this will inspire a conversation that you have, be it on a chairlift, on a trail, perhaps the family dinner, like give us your best ofs. Um, You know, a person who, who really rocked my heart was Will, who wrote Unreasonable Hospitality, a book that you must, must purchase um, in 2023. And I listened to it on Audible. And I remember distinctly, I was raking leaves in my backyard under a willow tree. And I think I raked that same patch of grass for two hours listening to Will tell me about Unreasonable Hospitality. And he is, he is a font of enthusiasm on his own accord. It was phenomenal. I am going to plug that he was also a guest on the Uncorked podcast and it rocked my heart. So it's an episode worth listening to. And then the other thing I want to share of 2023, because for our listeners, you might relate that like some things were late adopters to like forget all these early adopters and, you know, listen to Zach for the trace minerals that are found at the top of the Himalayas. Like he knows those. And this year, I got an air fryer <laughs> and I'm a little late Amazing. to the game, but I was told that there are two types of kitchens, those with air fryers, happy kitchens with air fryers or unhappy kitchens. And I'm not really one for small appliances, but I'm really into my air fryer. So there you go. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Amazing. I love these takeaways. I love, I love our air fryer too. It is like uh even like a layman, layman's like myself can make something crispy in there and it's amazing. Um, yeah, just wanted to, as, as this podcast wraps up and, and this will kind of be the last podcast for us this year, I uh, just wanted to say that, uh, you know, Dean and I are both grateful for your time and energy today and, and as we'll continue to follow you guys, both of you for the rest of the year. I just love what you both bring to this community, to these conversations and, and just wanted to pass Past major thank you and love to both of you. Mm-hmm. So thank you, thank you, thank you. The thank you is so received and it's shot right back with, you know, 10x the love and gratitude because <laughs> what I know for sure is there are algorithms and there are numbers that might tell us how many people listen or tune in and it really feels like the most selfish pursuit to host these conversations and have the opportunity to connect and, you know, really be in community with each other. And I want you to know that your podcast makes a dent and I listen to it every week. So thank you for everything that you do to create. And, um, you know, on air, Cecily Elmas, thanks for a rad 2023. Recording with you and working with you is truly the gift of a lifetime. So bring on 2024, my friends. Thank you, friends. This has been such an enjoyable conversation. I hope we get to do it again soon. <laughs> let's do it again. Let's, do let's, it let's again. check in. Let's check in mid-year and see how we're doing. Yeah. Right on. We, we, can, all, we can all just email each other on January 21st to make sure that we're still becoming the people we want to yes. be and then set a new date. <laughs> That's it. New goal. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you both. May the year end with all fullness and joy. And uh, as we embark into what's ahead, uh, let us like be up for the adventure. Absolutely. Yeah, right. All right. Peace, love, and gummy bears. Oh, yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> See you guys. Thank you so Bye. much. Bye.